You are listening to Time to Revive. This show is designed to help you get the confidence to share your faith in everyday life. The music in the background is Revival from Third Day. This is Angie, your host, and in the studio with me is Mark Bird. He is with Revive Ohio. Hello again. Hello, Angie. We are in the third and final week of talking about unity. Unity is something that was very important to Jesus because he mentioned it a lot. And we've had two really incredible weeks of talking about unity and having some really fantastic testimonies. But today we're taking it to a little bit different place. I don't think people will expect this one, but I think they're going to be super blessed by the teaching. We're going to... Psalm 133. Three verses. That's all it is, is three verses. But man, what a sermon. (laughs) Yeah. And I have to be honest today, Angie, and say, I read this a lot of times before. And like many of us, we've read scripture over and over and over. And when the Holy Spirit wants to bring it out to you and make a point, he does it in such a way that it'll impact you forever. And I'll have to be honest by saying Psalm 133 is just that. And when you talk about unity, I don't think you can really understand unity without understanding Psalm 133. I've heard you say this before. Now I understand. Yes, you're right. And this is a Psalm of David. And here's the cool thing. And if I ask this question to preempt everybody today, it's, hey, do you want to be blessed by God? (laughs) Everyone would say, yeah, of course. Well, sure, yeah. Of course, I want to be blessed of God. And so this is how important unity is to God and uh, how important our unity is to God. Let's get into this today. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon, descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life evermore. Again, three short verses. It's easy to skim over. Yeah. Let's be honest, it is. And it's very poetic, so we need some good explanation on this. Correct. And I think in the very first piece of this, it's pretty easy to think how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I love it. One version says, for the saints of God, that's us that are called, we're saved. It's how good and how pleasant it is. Now, is that good and pleasant for us or is that good and pleasant for God? I mean, why not both? Exactly. Exactly. So, Who knows best for our lives? God does. Yes. And he's saying, by the way, and this is what I love because David understood this. He was allowed to understand this by the Holy Spirit. How good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together. That means live together in unity. And again, we had talked about how unity is not tolerance. Dwelling together in unity is living together in unity not just, I'll tolerate you for a time period. Yeah. So here's a neat piece of this. If you go to Genesis chapter 13, okay, this is Abram and Lot, verse 8. So Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. It's another picture of dwelling together in unity. And yet God is saying here how good and how pleasant that is. Why? Well, how is it good and how is it pleasant? Well, first of all, is it better to live in peace or is it better to live in, try to live in disunity? 
Yeah, peace has always been the goal of any kingdoms that you might read in the Bible as well. Absolutely. And for me, then this is where it always hit me because it didn't make any sense to me. And this is why I skimmed over it. And then verse two, it's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. And I always thought to myself, what does that have to do with brethren living together in unity? It's non-related, but it is very related. If you understand what was the purpose that oil was put on the head and ran down the beard of Aaron, what was the purpose of that? Well, that was symbolic. That was what the Bible refers to as anointing. Okay? Mm, yeah. And so this is the anointing that's happening when the saints of God dwell together in unity. So what happens is it's anointed. That's what the scripture is really telling us here. It is anointed. And I love it because verse three says, it's like the dew of Hermon. Okay. One other scripture passage, a translation is moisture of vitality. Okay. It's, it's in the new King James version listed as vitality, but translated, that means moisture. The dew of Hermon is moisture because moisture is what? Necessary. How necessary is water to our bodies? Yeah. And so how necessary is unity between brethren? How necessary is that? And it is anointed because it says, descending upon the mountains of Zion for there, meaning upon that, the Lord commanded the blessing life evermore. What is anointing? the blessing of the Lord. Mm, okay. Yes. When David was anointed king, he was blessed as king, right? Because the Lord's hand was upon him. And so what this is telling us in our unity, the reason that it can be good and pleasant is because the Lord's blessing is upon it. So in verse two, when the precious oil is on the head running down the beard of Aaron, that's when they were anointing him. So what you're saying is, that the unity is good and pleasant to us because it's like the anointing yes. of oil into our lives. And it's like the, the life-giving water that we need as an anointing, I guess is how I'm reading it in a very much paraphrased. Yeah. And I think you're right on the money, Angie. And here's what I want to point out today, because I get this question asked a lot of times in Revive, because we come and we prepare and we pray and we set ourselves apart and we prepare for this time together there's the unity, and then it is mighty when the saints of God do come together, and God anoints it. And then I get asked many times by people, well, why was that time together so special? Yeah, they don't understand what just happened. Exactly, because what's happened is because we dwell together in unity, and you and I have talked about this many times, Angie, about going out on teams of people you don't even know, but yet God's in it, and then it doesn't matter that they're from a different church, but because we're dwelling together in unity, God blesses it there. He actually commands his blessing upon it. And I think I mentioned that last week, too. It's it's like we think we're living in unity. We think we're doing our part. But when we actually do things like this, where there's no denominational lines, it's just all for the kingdom, there's just something that happens and that you walk away going, wow, what was that? Yeah. That was what really what unity looks like. Yeah. And I mean, you can have a, a unity service with your churches. Yes. And you can get a glimpse of it. Yes. But when all of the churches, for instance, in your case, when you get all the churches in the county together, that makes a huge impact 
on the community itself. And if you think about it in terms of the body, well, if this is actually symbolic of the body of Christ, and if Jesus is God's son, God will command blessing upon the unity of his body. And this is really what's happening. And so I tell people all the time, it's not because of the system. It's not because of Revive Ohio. It's because we're choosing to dwell together and work in unity. And we've heard already from several people that that is the thing that God blesses. For example, we are better together. Well, a body, right, is way better as it functions together. You sever an arm, you sever a leg, you sever a foot. It doesn't work as well together, correct? Correct. And it's the same kind of picture here, and it's saying God is blessing it. He's anointing it, and this is the way that he wants it to be. And I love the last two words, life forevermore, because life is God-given. It is God-breathed. And that's kind of what we experience when we get into unity. And so for me, I like to look at it in reverse. If I want life forevermore, okay, what do I need to do to get that? Now, we can't bribe God, right? We can't talk him into it. This is just the way he has it set up. So if you live together in unity with your brother and with the body of Christ, you will receive the promise of life evermore. So there are ways that we can accomplish this goal. So we've talked about this for three weeks. How can we practically make this a reality in our communities? Again, I would go back to the four principal words. I really would. And the very first one is love. So it's love, listen, discern, and respond. That is key to every relationship. And even when you're making a new relationship, you use love, listen, discern, and respond. The very first one is love. The practical side of that for me is allowing God's love to unify us because we are unified for him, and as you said many times as well, Angie, it's a kingdom mindset. It's not about me. It's not about my church building, my church brand, my church denomination, but it's about Christ. He is the head of the church. And so if our kingdom mindset is that, we will be motivated by what motivates him, and that is love. And I love it because God says in his word that he is love. And if he is the first thing that we seek, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. And I believe that his love flows from that place. Yeah, amen. And so that Psalm 133 is where we're going to kind of cap off the whole unity piece. However, it is mentioned so many times Jesus even talks about the fact that he and God are one. And if they're unified, that we need to be unified with God the same way. There's just so much talk of unity. I would challenge people to get into the Bible and start looking it up and seeing what that means. And then start praying for opportunities to unify the body within your whole community, within your denomination. I mean, just, just go. Just start unifying whoever it is with. If they're a believer and they believe that Jesus is their Lord and Savior, why not? Yeah, and I think it's worth working toward. Absolutely. I think that's what it is, because this unity thing requires us to work at it. It's just like with the marriage that we mentioned last week, that you constantly have to be working on that to keep striving towards unity, because that's where the Satan's going to attack. That's exactly right. And when our end goal is the same, 
and that is Christ, we can be unified in that purpose. Well, a fantastic conversation about unity. Thanks, Mark. Let's go ahead and talk about today's testimony. This is exciting because today I'm being joined on the telephone with Pastor Jim Lillibridge, who uh, pastors in a neighboring community here. And James, I am so appreciative of hearing you again. And I love thinking about this in, in realms of when I met you, we were talking about this very topic the very first time we met, Jim. And it's cool because I love your perspective and I also love, and I think you have a lot to say about the topic of unity. And Jim, welcome to the program today. Well, thank you. It's great to be on with you guys. Yeah. And Jim, so seriously, moving into when you just think about unity, again, you came to mind and Jim, your perspective on unity is very unique, I feel like, because I feel like the Lord has shown you some really powerful little nuggets about unity. Jim, when you just hear the word unity, what comes right to the top of your head when you hear that? Well, gosh, you know, it's a simple word. Unity is a very, it's a, it's not very many letters, but it is still rather complex. But overall, I mean, unity for me is the coming together of God's people so that together, you know, we're better together, uh, that we can accomplish God's great mission in the world. And that's to go and make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. It's to reach those far from God. And I just firmly believe that when God's people just start working together, regardless of church buildings and church walls and denominations, regardless of we meet in a mall, if we meet mm. in a house, if we are doing cutting edge stuff, regardless of all of that, it's when God's people just come together with the shared love of Christ and shared unity, remembering that the primary reason why we're here is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. So that's why we're here. We know that the United Methodist, the mainline church, has been in decline for a long time. Our denomination is in decline. It seems like with the direction that our country is going, and we look at all the division and partisan politics, and, you know, everybody just seems to be mad at everybody else if we don't have the same opinion. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's a very unique period of time. And if there's ever been a time when I feel God is starting to stir the church, it's now in the secret is the unity of his people. And again, you know, I go back to John 17, and this is my paraphrase, it's the unity of my people, he says, that will draw the lost to me. Mm. And so I think that is what is important. I just see signs now, and it's almost like some ways I see a disparity in the church. Mm -hmm. Uh, People, I see pastors who just work their tails off, but they don't have a lot of fruit to show for it. You know, I see congregations sadly being skeptical about tomorrow because they're just struggling to get through today. But the because God, God's a big God. God's not a loser. God's a winner. Uh, the Church of Jesus Christ is still the hope of the world. So uh, 
God is the answer. Jesus is the way. And uh, if we don't see things happening, I don't think God is the problem. I think we look in the mirror and we discover, okay, maybe we've got something to do with this. We need to work in concert with the Holy Spirit and start doing church God's way instead of how we think it should be done. Yeah, it's great, Jim. And I tell you, one of the things I appreciate, and now I understand, because as you know, we talk about unity a lot. And one of the things I'm realizing is that I've picked up some of this perspective from you and how you've shared with us in the past and about this unity piece. And this is so vital. And like, it's a no brainer. Like, I love it because you're kind of like no nonsense. It's a no brainer. Like this is what we have to do. And I love your heart that comes out when you share about it, Jim, because you're just like, we have to do this. And like, there's no question. The reality is, is that like you're sharing, the church is in decline and it should not be so because we're on the same team. And Jim, so from your perspective, how have you seen the contrast between when people work together, because I've taken your phrase and I've actually used it. Of course, every preacher in the whole world takes phrases from other preachers. It's just a truth, Jim. And you said, we're better together. And when you said that, I've borrowed that and I've said it as well, because it is so true. But Jim, in your experience, you've been in ministry a couple days now. And, you know, (laughs) honestly, Jim, what have you seen that you could say, listen, I know what it looks like when we're not in unity, and I know what it looks like when we are. I'll preface my remark with the statement that I have never been more hopeful for the Church of Jesus Christ today than uh, 40 years ago when we first, God first called us to enter the ministry. And, uh, you know, 40 years ago, totally different time, but today, I am most hopeful because I see the working of, uh, I mean, it's slow. I wish it were faster, (laughs) but I see things finally starting to come together. You know, when we talk unity, people aren't like, eh, yeah, I don't know about that. You sprinkle, we immerse, so I don't want anything. You know, you used to get all that stuff or whatever, and now it's more like, You know, if we have Jesus, okay, let's go from there. And so the neat thing about unity, what I see, I mean, I've certainly been in communities as an itinerant United Methodist pastor, different places, and where there is no unity, each to their own, when there's no shared ministry together, the needs and hopes of God's people in that community are not being met. Uh, some obviously are, is independently we go about it. But if the church isn't coming together, if pastors aren't coming together, if pastors aren't praying together and leading their leadership to pray together with other people, from when those things aren't happening, it feels cold to me. I mean, it's just like there is, there's no warmth mm. of community. There's no warmth of of being in mission and ministry together. Everybody's just doing their own thing. But what we see is the needs overall in the community are not being met. And a lot of times in those circumstances, the other thing I always find is we're not reaching new people. We're just trading sheep. 
Ooh, know, that's good. We got some Baptist sheep become Methodist sheep, and those Methodist sheep become Presbyterian sheep, and those Presbyterian sheep become Pentecostal sheep, you know, uh, whatever. I mean, it's when you just you don't see, you just see people moving from one building to another, one location to another, but you don't really see that the the percentage of those who still don't have that saving relationship with Christ doesn't change. So there is, I think that's, and that goes back to John 7, hey, if my people will come together, then that's what will draw the loss. I think when we, we're not doing what God calls us to do, and it's a coldness to me. It's a yeah. just, it's a coldness of warmth. You know, there's no warmth in that connection because, it's not there. So that's what I see doesn't happen. Now, when there is no unity, that's what I experience. When there is unity, there is that warmth. When there is unity, there are pastors praying for each other, rooting for each other, being raving fans of the other. Mm. That's the part I love the most about unity is we're praying, we're praying for that if uh, if a sister or brother needs something, they just call. You know, it's not like we're not, we don't have turf wars. We're all about building the kingdom of God, period, not building up a church, not building up a congregation. And there's just some a powerful warmth, and you see fruitfulness throughout this geographical area and churches and, and just shared ministry and mission together. And and that's the part I love. But I, can, I think the biggest part I'd love is that we are raving fans, you know, yeah. of one another. That yeah. is the part that I see, you know, where nobody's, oh, don't go there. So-and-so there is such and such. Or, you know, we don't know. Yeah, well, that person's awesome, you know. Yeah, amen. Uh, and they, they, they lead an awesome congregation, and they're doing awesome things for the cause of Christ. Because let's face it, anything we do for the cause of Christ is awesome. So uh, it doesn't matter who does it, when it happens, or maybe how, how it goes off, but it's God's touch. God's spirit is in it, and it's going to be awesome. Right. And you know, Jim, I, I'm interested in how you're describing in your analogy of, of the cold and warm thing. And I think it boils down to this. It, it boils down to what's right and what's wrong. And I know some people could say, well, that's your conscience, maybe. But I think the Holy Spirit's at work in that. And that's the whole thing. If you're not united, it is a cold feeling. It is a wrong feeling, I think, because it's wrong. And that warm feeling that you're talking about, and we describe it a lot of times as our warm and fuzzy it's because it feels right because it is right. And unity is right. It's right in the eyes of God. I'm reminded of a story too, Jim, as I was sitting listening to you, of a pastor that he does this on a regular basis. And he'll have the, the visitors that particular Sunday stand up and, hey, we want to greet you and welcome you. And by the way, he'll say to them, hey, where do you normally fellowship at? And they'll say, oh, over at such and such a church. And he'll say, oh, you know what? I love brother or sister so-and-so. They're an awesome 
man or woman of God. And, and it's amazing he does that. And it's like, okay, so hey, when you go back there, make sure that you tell him I said hello. I think it's a yeah. really cool thing, Jim. And when yeah. I heard you talk about yeah. that, I was like, okay, that put me in remembrance of how he does that. And it really works well. And it's a unifying thing, isn't it, Jim? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, as go the leader, so yes. goes the church. Amen. As go the leaders, so goes the community. And uh, when the spiritual leaders are leading like you just shared, it's contagious. Yeah. And then everybody starts doing that. The laity start doing that. Everybody. They're affirming instead of, gosh, you know, but we're so human. You know, we are so, we can't <laughs> right. help it, Right. But we can focus on negativity so easy. Yeah. You know, negativity can feed our egos. Negativity can feed whatever. Uh, and so we have a bent to be negative. But boy, when you start doing it, as you shared, and people start doing it, all of a sudden you change the climate. It's climate change. Yes. You know, there of you a go. different kind. <laughs> right. One of the things that I'm encouraged by in your sharing about us being a raving fan of one another, especially spiritual leaders in our own community, that we are called to be in fellowship. We are not only on the same team, of course, like you've been sharing, Jim, but also we're also colleagues. Like, what does yeah. that mean anymore, you know, in our culture today, Jim? What does it mean to have a colleague? Those are people that are sharing in the same profession, but in the same calling, like you shared about, like you're talking about being called 40 years ago. So when you're called to be in the same, you know, line, like that's a brother, that's a partner, that's a comrade. You could go on with all kinds of descriptions. But when you become a raving fan of that person, that really compels us to be in unity with those brothers and sisters working out the same exact goal. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. So unfortunately, or already we're out of time, like generally happens, Jim, but we're so grateful that you took the time out of your day to come and join us and share your heart. Jim, you've got so much wisdom and so many things to share as the Lord has laid them on your heart. But uh, I greatly appreciate your time today, Jim, and I appreciate your fellowship with me and our partnership in the gospel. You've been listening to Time to Revive. Thanks for listening to Time to Revive. This show has been brought to you by Shine FM and Revive Ohio. More information about this program at shinefmohio.com. We're community-supported Shine FM.